Hello, everyone, and welcome to this version of the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I'm live in the studio, and I wanted to take a minute and start today's show a little differently than how I normally have. This week, uh, there's been a few things going through the old Twitter sphere, and I know Twitter is not full life. I know it's not real life. I know that there's a million other people in this world that thankfully, God bless their hearts, are not on Twitter. And I don't have a dog in this race necessarily. I'm not friends with any of these people that we're talking about. I'm not particularly close with anyone here, but I know you guys have seen some of the things that have gone around the last couple of days. And again, people are free to use their accounts how they want to. I just wanted to give you all an opportunity uh, to have myself, or I wanted to give myself an opportunity to encourage you all. Be nice to each other. Be good to each other. There was a point where you're not having a good day. People say stuff sometimes. There's 180 characters on Twitter or 104, whatever the number is. I don't even know. There's only so many characters on Twitter. It is what it is. And ultimately, we're all trying to do the same thing, which is watch the Green Bay Packers. That's the team we love. That's the team we care about. In some cases, it's the team that you cover. So in all that, I say be good to each other. Be nice to each other. It's okay to do that. and It's okay to disagree. Just do it respectfully. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, indeed. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Thank you for indulging me through the first half. That is my first attempt at a monologue, so I hope you guys like it and are still listening to the show. If you are, welcome. I am Jacob Westendorf. I am live in the Game On Wisconsin studios, fresh off of a trip to Green Bay, Wisconsin, the Holy Lands. I drank way too much spotted cow and ate way too many cheese curds, so I feel like I need to go on a diet and a little bit of, run, of a run for a little while here. But it was all good. It was nice to be there. It was good to be in camp. It's good to watch the Packers see some live football, and we have a live preseason game coming up this weekend. It is Wednesday, August 11th. Happy birthday to Ms. Elaine Watson, who is listening to this show, and that is because her Man Candy, and I don't have a better phrasing for that. I don't think she's ever actually called him that, but that's what I'm going with, is my guest tonight, and that is Jason Perone. Jason, technically your second appearance on this podcast, but nobody heard the first one, so maybe we'll get this fucking podcast to air. How are you feeling today? I've, I'll feel really good when I hear it air, actually get on air, so I'm glad we didn't pick a day before, I don't know what it would be, some former Packer parachutes into Lambeau field or did you go to family night? Were you actually at family night? We were in the area for family night. I did not go to the actual event. Uh, my family, once it started raining, we had Blake, we had my mom, we had my wife. It was, uh, it was a bit of a, a concern there, if you will, to get them all in. So we didn't end up doing that, but that's okay. Uh, I ended up being able to watch it on TV from my hotel room, which is fine. Uh, if it were a game, I still would have gone because I don't mind getting wet in that case. But for practice, as Allen Iverson might have said, 
maybe not. So for those that don't know, Jason has been a guest on this podcast before, but it was, <laughs> it was the night we were recording uh, the Sunday before training camp. And we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams and some of that stuff going on. And then lo and behold, of course, the next day, Aaron Rodgers has the news surface that he's coming back. He's going to come to camp. He's going to be on the team, all that stuff. So it basically made the entire podcast obsolete. So here we are back and better than ever this time around. Jason's here to talk some Packers with me. You can catch him every Monday and Thursday on the Quick Slants podcast right here on Game On Wisconsin. And I want to tell you all that we now have an opportunity for you to support us. You can go as low as 99 cents a month, up to $10 a month to support all your favorite personalities at Game On Wisconsin. All of the proceeds go toward improving our product, which benefits you. So go to our anchor page, anchorfm.com, search Game On Wisconsin, click that support button. And like I mentioned, for 99 cents, as low as that, up to $10 a month. We're talking about a lunch uh, once a week, take one less lunch. I will buy you bread for peanut butter and jelly if I have to for that given week just to help us out. But Jason is here. And Jason, we want to talk, obviously, some Green Bay Packers football. We've gotten through about a full week of training camp. And I took a couple questions from our friends on the Twitterverse. And the first one came from the great Paul Brettle, last week's guest on this show, and our friend and my host over the weekend. I was able to meet Paul and hang out with him and his lovely wife, Ashley, and his beautiful daughter, Reagan. And uh, he and or Reagan and Blake made very good friends very quickly. Uh, Blake got an opportunity to be the oldest person in the room, which has not happened uh, in her lifetime. So that was pretty fun to watch. But Paul's question was about the expectations for the room of inside linebackers this year, which for those of you that have been paying attention, the starters as of right now have been Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes, obviously some other intriguing players on the roster, Isaiah McDuffie on the non-football injury list. You have Ty Summers, who's been here before you have Oren Burks, who looks to hang on to the last part of his potential Packers career here. Uh, and of course, you know, like I mentioned, Barnes and Campbell and then Kamal Martin as well. So Jason, a lot of question marks in that group that I just mentioned. I think if you had to find the weakness of the team, we just named it. It's it's that linebacker group. But what are your expectations for this group going in? What do you think about this this team and how these guys are constructed in the middle and who ultimately starts? This might not have been one of our questions, but you mentioned peanut butter and jelly and bread, which got me thinking. Grape or strawberry jam? Oh, grape. No question. I can, well, we can continue the show. Perfect. So this was, I, I was excited about this question because I think this position group is one that finally we can not only just feel comfortable about, maybe even get a little bit excited about because the inevitability is that, and I'll start with who's going to spend the most time on the field. And that's going to be Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell. Barnes is going to miss time. He, he, I don't think played a full game last season and that's not a knock on him. I think anybody can go back and watch and look at the minutes, look at the snaps and they'll see he tends to go in and out of the rotation. The problem with that is he's the green dot. He's got a lot of responsibility. I'm looking forward to seeing him grow in year two, but he's going to miss time. And I think we also saw that Kamal Martin's probably not quite ready to play a significant number of snaps yet. He's got a lot of things to do to fine tune his game. We're now hearing that they're also rotating him outside as an outside linebacker as well. So Devondre Campbell, though, 
gives you that security blanket to where if Chris Barnes gets hurt, he has to go out. You feel really good about who's rotating in there. If Campbell's on the field at the same time as Barnes, veteran savvy, veteran presence, they actually invested some experience into that position, whereas I feel like they've just kind of thrown whoever out there. And that's not to say that Ty Summers didn't do it, you know, a decent job in mop-up duty. Oren Burks, you mentioned Oren Burks. I think Oren Burks, is it's a swan song for him with the Green Bay Packers 100%. I don't know about the NFL, but – this is this is it. He's he's pretty much done. Unfortunately, he's not been able to find the field. So it's not just okay. It's actually a position that could really benefit this team and give them more flexibility instead of having to throw a smaller defensive back out there simply to keep to keep up with these faster tight ends. You lose a little bit of size, and lo and behold, you got a George Kittle running all over the place, or a Travis Kelsey, or whoever else the Packers have on their schedule. So I'm I'm more encouraged about the inside linebacker position. Frankly, I think it's it's one that we can be excited about just simply because of what we saw from Chris Barnes. He was such a pleasant surprise. And I'm still very hopeful that Kamal Martin is going to turn into a player for this team. I didn't know whether, and I don't know what your take is on this, Jake, but moving him outside and trying him out there could either be the team saying, we're doing everything we can to get you on the field. We want you on the field. And here's another opportunity and another way to do it. Or if they're saying, "Mm, we don't know if you're going to make it as an inside linebacker, we got to try you on the outside a little bit here, but either way, very excited about the prospects inside. I think this defense is going to be, I think the defense is going to be the shining star of the team this year. As good as the offense might be, I think the defense is going to be the focus. And that's the part where we're going to disagree, I guess, because like I said, if there is a weakness on this team, I think it's right here in the middle. And that's where it's been for, for years and years and years. It feels like, you know, the Packers haven't had a dude at inside linebackers since Clay Matthews man that position in 2014 and that wasn't his natural position so if you want a natural linebacker desmond bishop nick barnett guys like that i mean we're talking a decade ago at this point since those guys have been in green bay manning the middle so i am interested to see you know how the packers are going to do things at that position uh i i think that right now you're looking at chris barnes is probably in my opinion going to be their best player at that position if he's able to stay on the field, as you noted, Devondre Campbell's a veteran. He's kind of a run down type, which is fine. They need guys like that. I know people are high on Kamal Martin and I'm not saying I'm not high on Kamal Martin. What I'm saying is he's played 200 snaps. So I don't really care what his pro football focus grade was last year. You know, limited exposure means limited chances for you to find, for them to find your weaknesses as well. And Martin has some good things about him. Obviously plays very fast. That's a good thing. Nobody's going to be say, nobody's ever accused anyone of playing fast and that being a bad thing. So keeping the, the Packers best linebackers on the field right now, I think means Barnes and Devondre Campbell for the time being. But I think you're going to see a lot of times where you only have one of those guys on the field at the time. You know, I wonder how Joe Barry's going to use guys like Vernon Scott and Darnell Savage and, you know, some of these other safety types and, you know, defensive backs to move around the formation. So that's going to be the interesting part to me. But for right now, my expectations are lower just because I, I don't know what to expect from this group. I do think I've mentioned before, I think the Packers are going to make a move, whether it's, you know, in free agency right before the season starts or at the trading deadline. And I do think that linebacker is one of those positions that green Bay could look to target in a, in a deal to try and bolster their team and get them to win a championship. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing. You know, obviously a good opportunity. Chris Barnes did do some good things last year. 
Summers is a good special teams player, I suppose. And then Oren Burks, like you mentioned, he's on his last legs. If he makes the team, it is solely because of special teams, but it felt like they've done just about everything they could with him to try and keep him on the field. And it just doesn't click. That is right now far and away when you consider the investment and everything that goes into it, the worst draft choice that Brian Gutekunst has made in a short tenure as the Packers general manager. Let's move forward. Next question. Next question. Indeed. Thank you, Drew Rosenhaus. The next question, this came from Jackson and Jackson. I'm sorry. I'm not going to butcher your last name, but it starts with a B and I think it's bureau guard, but I could have completely torched that. So if I did, please feel free to let me know. But his question was about the defensive line group and who do we think is going to contribute from that? So let me start by saying one of the things that stood out to me, and I did write this in an article for game on Wisconsin on Monday morning, you can check my articles out there every Monday. And what I wrote was Dean Lowry. And then I put, okay, seriously, don't laugh. But I thought that Lowry was having a really good couple days of practice when I was able to see him. And right now he is the team's second best defensive lineman that is active. Now I think Kingsley Kiki is somebody that could certainly fill that role, but he hasn't yet. You know, I think you're really looking at a committee. They're going to unleash Kenny Clark. I think they're going to do some different stuff with him. I think they're going to have him play some three tech, some five tech, give him some more pass rushing opportunities. The wild card here to me is TJ Slayton. And how is he able to contribute right away? If at all, you know, defensive linemen picked in the first round tend to take a while to get up and running. TJ Slayton was picked in the fifth round. So, I mean, maybe the light bulb comes on early. Maybe they have a defined role for him and he's just ready to roll. But I am curious to see how that goes. Otherwise, you have guys obviously like Tyler Lancaster. And this is another position where I talked about trade deadline moves. Snacks Harrison's still available. And I do think that that is maybe not him specifically. There's other guys, Geno Atkins, Jarrell Casey, some different free agent defensive linemen. This seems to be the most logical position if the Packers are going to add to it. You find one of those guys at the end of camp, you know, a veteran like Snacks, a veteran like Atkins, a veteran like Jarrell Casey. Those guys don't need to go through training camp. It's a war of attrition. The Packers need more guys than than just the one or just a couple that they have in camp now to get moving. But Jason, some people would argue this is the weakness of the Packers team. What are your thoughts and expectations on this defensive line group? Yeah, I think that's warranted because of the depth and how much it changes. If obviously Kenny Clark's a transcendent type player on defense, if you lose him, you're, you're going to be in trouble anyway. But when I did quick slants a couple of weeks ago, one of the topics I did was pivotal players on, I did one on offense, one on defense. Kingsley Kiki was my guy on defense because if he becomes what we want him to become in year two and steps up the defensive line, once again, kind of similar to what I said about inside linebacker, it becomes an area of not just okayedness, but it could potentially be a, a tip the scales a little bit in the Packers' favor, especially on the defensive side, obviously. So it's I think you're right with regards to Slayton. You have to temper your expectations with a mid-round pick. I could see him being the type that makes the roster, but then could be looking at a healthy scratch situation or you know something like that. I mean, I, I'd like to see him play. I just think we're we're setting ourselves up a little bit if until we get a chance to see him preseason or if he actually gets on the field and if that light bulb does go off, there's a reason why they kept Tyler Lancaster around. I like Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry to me is you can count on him to, to make uh, two or three big plays. And they usually all come against the bears. For some reason, he makes big plays against the Chicago bears, but that's the Lowry express there. And he, the thing is, is there was a lot of guys that wanted Lowry cut and they thought the cap savings and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't keep a Dean Lowry, 
there's there's a huge hole there. I mean, obviously he's not a huge he's not a Pro Bowl player, but for what he does for the Packers, and maybe Lowry's one of those guys that you have to just realize his is maybe more valuable to the Packers than anywhere else. But he's valuable to the Packers, and they have to take care of him. I and and let me jump in on that point real quick because something that that bugs me is kind of an irk is as we become more cognizant of the salary cap around Twitter and such, when we have these discussions, I want to remind you guys (laughs) saving cap dollars at this point, like yesterday I was talking to somebody and they were saying like, Oh, the Packers could cut Lucas Patrick and save the money for what? Like we're talking about a mill and a half or something like that. And not only that, Lucas Patrick is a really valuable player. He could start at guard on either one of the guards or he's your backup center. That didn't make any sense to me. But then when you talk about Dean Lowry, you go to that position, cut the guy. Okay. Well, when you're going to cut a guy, you have to put another guy in that place that got those snaps the last year, the last couple of years. It's not just like cutting him. That doesn't make your team immediately better. And Dean Lowry I know people don't like him and he's become what I consider the scapegoats of the Packers defense or the Packers in general. But that being said, he played 602 snaps last year. Who are you going to give those to Tyler Lancaster, TJ Slayton. He's a fifth round rookie, some undrafted free agent. That's in, I mean, cutting a guy for cap savings, like cap dollars. It's like the mystery box kind of thing. It could even be a boat. We've always wanted one of those. We'll take the box. You can't just take the mystery box every single time. If you're going to cut a player, there's got to be some value to that. Is there a young player behind him that's pushing him? Is there a potential upgrade available that those savings could net you? The Packers clearly like Dean Lowry more than we do. And Lowry's not the only player like that. There's a lot of players like that. The previous year, it was Billy Turner. And the question was, okay, well, if you cut Billy Turner, who the hell is going to play right tackle or right guard? Turns out Billy Turner was a really good right tackle last season. Oh, by the way. So, Stop worrying so damn much about the salary cap. It's it's not something that we're supposed to understand. It's not something that we're able to understand. There's a guy in the Packers front office who does it 24-7, 365. His name is Russ Ball. That's his job to figure out the cap savings. The Packers aren't cutting a player. At, and at this point in the year, those cap savings don't do anything for you because nobody is available that's going to cost that kind of money that you could realistically add to your team. I'm sorry, go on. Well, and as you said before, cap space is not a player. And the Packers are not rich on the defensive line. Like you said, you've got to have somebody ready to step in there. You've got to have a luxury there to where if if you're going to cut a Dean Lowry for cap savings and you know, maybe he's like a sixth defensive lineman, or you you really need a you know an extra corner or another wide receiver or something like that. That's not the situation for the Packers. They need they need Dean Lowry. And those few plays and those splash plays he makes during the year, I think, are worth it. You've got to have that rotation up front. We talked a little before we started about Z being on the defensive line and what's Joe Barry going to do with some of these other guys to get a bunch of the, your, your best players on the field at the same time. The uh, The defensive line is always, unless you have an elite defensive line in the NFL, most teams have a deficiency at defensive line because there just aren't a ton of elite got big guys up front. So it's easy to say it's an area of, of weakness or it's not an area of strength or, you know, whatever the words were that you use there. But I do think that I think the pack, if Kingsley Kiki can make that big jump, that's what I'm looking for. That's the biggest key. I think for me is if he makes that jump, once again, inside linebacker, defensive line, not as, not as scary and, and not as much of a liability as, some are, are tagging it or however we phrased it when we, we started talking about the question. 
And I will say there was a storyline that Ross Uglum used to do. I believe it was for Packer Report. It was called Five Guys That Have to Be Good. And it wasn't like, oh, Aaron Rodgers has to be good. Devontae, it's like the guys who are like, kind of like the Dan Orlovsky question that he posed the other day is who's the guy that can put the Packers over the top. And Kingsley Kiki to me is one of those guys. I absolutely think that if he's good, then the Packers have at least two defensive linemen that you feel really good about. And it allows guys like Lowry and Lancaster and Slayton to be your rotational types. And someone's going to get cut. Like you said, Jake, there's going to be, there's going to be some guys out there at the end of camp. There's going to, the Packers are going to make some moves. Yeah, they, they will. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a battle of attrition, right? All season you're churning that bottom of the roster over. So some of these guys now that are in camp, we're not going to be able to do that. Let's move forward. Next question. Shout out to Drew Rosenhaus and Terrell Owens. As we record this on August 10th, 2021, that is the anniversary, the 16 year anniversary of that press conference. Terrell Owens doing sit-ups on the driveway, uh, being sent home from Eagles camp. I remember when that happened, it was wild because my dad's an Eagles fan. So we had a vested interest in that and trying to get, basically trying to get T.O. back because the that Eagles team was good enough to win a Super Bowl. They were just in the Super Bowl the year prior didn't end up working the locker room split. You had Donovan guys, you had TO guys. And one of these days I'm going to have the great Mark Eckle on this podcast. And I'll let him recap that story. Cause he was there and it's Mark. There's not a better storyteller in this business than Mark Eckle, but that is not the next question. The next question was about the battle for the third running back position, Jason. And now it, it seems like Kylan Hill has the edge there because Maurice Drayton was talking about him as the kick returner. He's taking reps with the ones, but every time Patrick Taylor touches the ball, it seems like something good happens And the preseason, I think is going to be a huge factor for this Packers team at that running back position. I'll give you guys a, a, a bit of a flash here. Aaron Jones is not going to play one snap in the preseason. AJ Dillon's going to play like five snaps in the preseason. There's just not going to be a lot. So Matt LaFleur has said, there's going to be a lot of carries to go between Pat Taylor, Kylan Hill, and of course, Dexter Williams, who maybe foolishly, but I'm kind of dismissing Dex. I think he's been in LaFleur's doghouse since he got here. You know, I remember his rookie season where they had a chance to elevate uh, or that Williams was on the roster and they elevated Trey Carson from the practice squad. And I think if you got some truth serum in Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, you would have said that LaFleur wanted Carson out of camp and Gutekunst basically said, well, we drafted this dude. He's more talented. So we're keeping him kind of thing. But that's something where I just think he's never been able to get out of that rut. And I think that those other two running backs, frankly, between Taylor and Kylan Hill, they're just more talented. Kylan Hill being a seventh round pick still baffles me to this day. Brennan Rupp did a lot of good things about him uh, for game on Wisconsin. Ross Uglum said that was his favorite pick of the draft. And he doesn't say that shit lightly. Ross is very detailed and very invested when it comes to the draft. So when he says something like that, it's very important when he says something like that, or at least in my opinion. And then you look at Patrick Taylor, Tyler Dunn did a great story on him over at golongtd.com. You can find that there. Some good stuff with him too. They're good players in the passing game. I just think that those two guys, I do wonder, Jason, I guess my first question is, is there any possibility in your mind that they keep four running backs out of camp? I don't see how they don't. I mean, it's, they've just got so much versatility, and I, I. But I'm, I'm kind of, I like, I like Taylor a lot. I mean, I, I, I think he's the the body type that you want, and I think it's that pass protection and 
some of those intangibles there. And if you're going to split time, I mean, you've got, you know, Amari Rogers returning punts. If Kylan Hill is going to return kickoffs, he's not going to be a full-time running back. Then you still need a, you need a full-time guy. I mean, you still need a, an extra guy at that position. So maybe that's just kind of reading the tea leaves, as Paul Brettel likes to say, that the Packers might stack that position with an extra body there. I, I, I like the problem that the Packers have there. They definitely need more electricity and speed on special teams, and Kylan Hill does not lack it. He definitely has it. I don't know if you got a chance to see him live and, um, and with the ball in his hands, but that's the biggest thing. And then the other, the other thing to keep in mind – I can just get this out of the way now because I hate it, but I'm doing this for you, Jake, for your own entertainment. But don't forget, you've got Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb, and Randall Cobb has spent some time in the backfield. Now, I don't think at his age at this point that's in the cards for him, but Amari Rogers is also potentially somebody who lines up back there too. So the Packers have options. And I wonder if this isn't a situation too where we're placing a lot of value on Patrick Taylor and Kylan Hill, and if they, either one of them were to get cut, we'd easily get them back on the practice squad, whereas everybody would be freaking out that somebody's going somebody's gonna to come in and steal that player. But if, you, if you've if got Kylan Hill taking the special teams reps, then it's obvious they like him and they're probably going to keep him. But I, I do. I think it's four, and they figure out a way to make it work with some other position on the, on the team. Yeah, that part will get interesting. I did see Kylan Hill with the ball in his hands and his cuts. He's shifty, man. I mean, him with the ball in his hands is going to be fun. I'm excited about the prospect of him returning kickoffs. That being said, I mean, the Packers haven't had a kickoff returner that was worth his salt, in my opinion, at least since, what, prime Randall Cobb, Micah Hyde. I mean, when's the last time the Packers had a kickoff returner that you're like, hey, you could have Jeff Janis for that minute in 2015. You know, I mean – they haven't had a guy who could house one in quite a while. And I don't know if Kylan Hill could do that, but can you at least get this offense to where they're not starting first and 10 at the you know 17 yard line, make some things a little bit easier field position wise. I think you could see that. So I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing Patrick Taylor in the preseason. I think what you mentioned is accurate though. We talk about, and we'll get to this here a little bit in just a minute, how you talk about these guys. They're like, Oh no, you can't cut this dude. You can't cut that dude. Never know what'll happen with those guys. And those guys almost always, end up back on the practice squad and frankly, marginal NFL players. You know, we, we gnash our teeth all the time over the darlings of Oneida street, Mr. Ray Nitschke field, whatever you want to call those guys. We do it all the time. And all those guys end up back on the practice squad, all those, or if they do go somewhere else, I remember years ago, I think my first year in the blogging business, if you will, it was Jamal Roll was the name of the guy. And he carved out an okay role with the Houston Texans, but he never became anything special. And he wasn't going to be the difference between the Packers winning a Super Bowl versus not. So the running back three role is going to be interesting to watch. I think that it's possible that they keep four. They do have an extra roster spot to play with for those first two weeks because of the uh, suspension to Jay Sternberger, who's not going to be with the team for those first two weeks. So they could potentially try and do that and stash somebody that way. I'm going to be interested to see how that turns out though, just because it's, it's going to be a fun thing to watch. And it's one of those things that gives you some intrigue and fans. I'm the same way. I love those sexy position battles, you know, guys that are going to have chances with the ball in their hands to do some stuff and make an impact that way. So Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor, with all due respect to Dexter Williams, I think he's going to be taking handoffs this preseason from Kurt Bankert. And that's going to be about it. Speaking of Mark Eckel, we know how Mark Eckel feels about Notre Dame players. If you listen to the Packaday podcast on Saturday, which, you know, shameless plug, I happen to be a part of, 
I don't think I don't think he'd shed too many tears there. Dexter's been with the Packers. He's had his chances. He just unfortunately is almost kind of like the Warren Burke situation. Just didn't hasn't hasn't worked out so well so far. I don't I didn't think anybody hated Notre Dame more than I did. But like I have a soundbite somewhere of the late Bo Schembechler saying to hell with Notre Dame. And it's one of my favorite quotes. It gets me giddy all the time because I, I do. I hate Notre Dame. But Mark Eckel really hates Notre Dame. And that's crazy to listen to. It's fun. Uh, it's all in good fun. Obviously, I enjoy it. Let's move to the next time. Next question. Next question, indeed. This one is about the wide receivers. And again, you want to talk about a sexy battle in a position where guys are going to have a chance with the ball in their hands to make plays. Wide receiver is certainly one of those. I came into training camp expecting, let me give you guys a spoiler here. Devontae Adams is making the team. Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Amari Rogers are making the team. And if Randall Cobb doesn't make the team, Jordan Love will be the starting quarterback in 2021 because Aaron Rodgers will have retired or something of that sort. So those five guys I just mentioned are making the team. I didn't think the Packers were going to keep six. I really didn't. I thought that they would do some maneuvering at other positions, you know, keep a couple more tight ends, whatever it is that they need to do. But now I look at this roster and, and let me be clear uh, what Devin Funches said over the weekend. And you can't talk about Devin Funches right now um, without addressing that point. What he said was unacceptable, whether it came from, Ignorance or whether it was malicious, it really doesn't matter. It's just an unacceptable thing. That said, the Packers have said they didn't consider releasing him over it. So I think he still has a very fair shake to make this team. After watching him in practice, he has a decent rapport with Aaron Rodgers. You know, he made a nice play on a broken play. That's sort of stuff that I watch. I think that matters a little bit. And then he had a decent family night with Jordan Love. And he's a professional receiver. And as Ross Uglin pointed out, there's two receivers on this roster that have a 40 plus catch and 800 plus yard season under their belt, Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. The other one is that there's three. Now the other one is Devin Funches. Now I didn't think Funches was going to make the team. He hasn't been active. He basically hasn't played football in two years. That's a really long time to not play football, especially when you're trying to do it professionally. Those guys are really, really good trying to do it professionally after doing it for two years. I just didn't see that, but now you look at it and see like he's doing some stuff on special teams. That's certainly going to matter and come into the effect at some point. I just think that with a team that's all in and trying to win a Super Bowl this year, keeping a professional receiver over the special teams guy who might be a little bit younger in a normal year, maybe that's the guy they keep. Maybe that's Malik Taylor. Maybe that's EQ St. Brown. Maybe that's Juwan Winfrey. And those are all guys, assuming they have eligibility. I'm not sure if EQ St. Brown does. I believe Malik Taylor does, but practice squad eligibility. I think those are all guys that the Packers can get back on the practice squad if they need to. So I have changed my stance. I now believe that they are keeping six. Jason, what are your thoughts through our first two weeks here? What were your thoughts initially and where, where are you thinking now? Well, before Randall Cobb came, it was five, maybe six, six seemed kind of like a pipe dream, but now I think it's inevitable. They have to and stack that group a little bit, but if they don't do that, and if they want to tinker with this whole practice squad, 55-53 man thing during the, the week, don't forget that you also have Aaron Jones, who's spent a lot of time split out. You've got, you know, when Sternberger comes back, split out. 
Josiah DeGuara, a bunch of different guys that can also get out on pass routes. There's only one football. So there's, I mean, I, th- I think we're probably looking at the end of the line for Malik Taylor and Equinemius St. Brown, Reggie Bagleton. Is, unfortunately, this is just too stacked of a group. And then the quest, then the question is the special teams piece. Devin Funches isn't going to play special teams. Randall Cobb's not going to play special teams unless he is filling in as a returner. So that's that might be part of the equation. But yeah, I think it's I think they're headed for six as at wide receiver. And I don't I don't know how they're going to shake it out and who they're going to go with. I trust whatever whatever groupings that they do go with. But it's like you said. I mean, Devontae Adams is going to get the lion's share of, of the football just because who's open? 17. If he's on the field, he's open. And just the way they spread the ball out there, too. So, but I also won't be surprised if they somehow just go with five. I, I know that everybody's really, you know, hyped up over Winfrey. And again, this is one of those things where is perfect point you made about, you know, previous undrafted free agents. Are they the linchpin? Are they the difference between the Packers? Reaching the playoffs, not reaching the playoffs. Are they going to add a win to the win column? Probably not. So, but I think six six seems to be the safest bet. I guess that would be the over under. Then would be six, right? Then we have to decide if we're going to take the over or the under. Or I don't know. I'm not a very good gambler. Maybe it should be five, but I think they'll go with six. And the other point on Winfrey, and among the other those young guys that I want to make is, and again, I don't mean to keep taking points from Ross Uglum and Jake Morley, but those are two guys that have a lot of respect for. They'll be on this podcast at some point is that they talked about it on their Monday episode for pack day. And I agree with them because I'm just as guilty of it. Oh man. Can you really cut Deandre Burrell? Can you cut miles white? Can you cut Jarrett Boykin? Can you cut Darius Shepard? You know, how many times have those guys worked out the best player of that group that I just mentioned was Jarrett Boykin, who was kind of forced into action by a couple of injuries and had to learn a few things on the fly. So I think those are all guys. And the other thing, the key point here with, with Winfrey is he's missed the last couple of practices with an injury. And the old adage, of course, is you can't make the club in the tub. So he needs to get back on the practice field as soon as he possibly can. But I just look at this group and think, keep the vets, keep the pass catchers, especially if Rogers has something with Funches that he likes, you know, I think a red zone group with, Devontae Adams, and I've talked about this potential packaging, 11 personnel, Devontae Adams, Devin Funches, and Randall Cobb with Robert Tunyon as the tight end and Aaron Jones or Dylan or name your running. You could even do it with Amari Rogers if you really wanted to. But that is a potential red zone group that I think could absolutely shred. And the Packers red zone offense last year was as good as it gets until, of course, the NFC Championship game, which as far as I'm concerned, never actually happened. But getting guys that Rodgers trusts in the red zone, that's a huge thing. That is the point where maybe keeping someone like Funches is the difference between a touchdown and an NFC championship game versus kicking a field goal. So I'm going to look forward to that. You know, they're obviously going to have Jordan Love and plenty of him on the field to, to make some plays like that and have an opportunity. It's not like they're going to have guys like Graham Harrell and, BJ Coleman and some of the other scrub backup quarterbacks that the Packers have had come with all due respect to those guys. They're obviously professionals, but Jordan love is the most talented quarterback. The Packers have had play in the preseason since Aaron Rodgers was playing in the preseason. You're going to see plenty of him. So those receivers are going to have chances to make plays. And I hope they do. Next question. 
The next question and the final one of the night that we had asked was about the new defensive coordinator. And this came from our guy Lambo Labo. That's a day one right there. Lambo, shout out. We love you very, very much and appreciate all of your support through our time here at Game On Wisconsin. His question was, what player or players, you can use a couple if you'd like, do you think benefits the most from Joe Barry coming in as opposed to Mike Patton? So Jason, I'm going to start with you. I have a feeling you might lean towards the defensive backfield for some reason. <laughs> you would be correct. We've so, worked together for a little while, if you can't tell. As someone who is not totally in tune with what Joe Barry is going to bring over what Mike Petton brought, because there's a lot of smarter people to write about that and talk about that yet to put some stuff out there. And we have yet to see it with our own two eyes. I tend to still lean towards a player that is already going to have a chance to roam and do a lot of things on the field. And so my initial instinct is to pick a guy like a Darnell Savage who could potentially kind of be freed up, especially if you've got more versatile inside linebackers out there, even if it's Barnes in year two and he's better. Devondre Campbell, who's a better backup and can cover a guy and and take a little bit off of Darnell Savage's plate so he can roam around the line of scrimmage and make plays, get after the quarterback, pick up some sacks and things like that. That's kind of my inclination is that that's that's where, where he's going to benefit the most. I mean, I just – I have very high hopes – for Rashawn Gary, just because he's a beast and he's been working out, and you got, got a chance. Too. You got good. You got a chance to see your son up close and personal, and so I, I don't know that Joe Barry is what's going to make them better this year. I think I just picked two players that I think we all are excited about that are going to make a hopefully make a leap on their own. But I do expect, as a fan. Joe Barry to utilize the talent that he's got there and and the budding stars that these guys are. So from that standpoint, I mean, Jair, how much higher can his ceiling get? He's already absolutely fantastic. And then you could be, I could take the really cheap and easy way out and say Eric Stokes because he's got so much to learn, but I just, I think it's, you know, take your pick Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary. I think it's going to be one of those two uh, just because of how much they're going to play and how much freedom I think Savage is going to get from having so much better. I just, I just have so much faith and hope in this defense. And I, I, I don't think I'm going to be wrong come the end of this year. They were 13th in scoring defense last year. If they just bump up three spots, you have a top 10 scoring defense and you have a, an offense that led the league last year and, and a quarterback coming off an MVP season. It's hard not to love what's going on in, in, at 1265 an offense that led the league in scoring and may even be better in 2021, go to gameonwi.com and check out Andrew Mertens for as to why that could be the case. I like your points that you're making about Savage. I like your points you're making about Rashad Gary. You're not going to find a bigger conductor of the Rashad Gary hype train than myself. Of course, he's my child. That is completely understandable in that case. I would like to think that's what makes me a good parent, but I'm going to go with Kenny Clark and it's because of the way that Joe Barry and Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley use their defensive tackles and their scheme to where they're going to ask Kenny to be a little bit more of a penetrator. He has slimmed down this year and he is destroying people in practice by the accounts of those who have been there and myself included from the day that I was there. Kenny Clark, I think is going to be a force Hopefully he's got this little nagging injury. Now he seems to get one of those a year 
So hopefully since he got it in camp, that means it's out of the way now and we just don't have to worry about it once the season starts. But I think the Packers are trying. I think the Slayton selection had Kenny Clark's name on it to some degree as to what the Packers are trying to do. And I think if they try and get an offense or a defensive lineman, excuse me, in there along with maybe if Slayton's not ready or maybe something else that they're trying to do. I just think that there are some opportunities for him to be a little bit more involved and a little bit more disruptive as a pass rusher. Not, he's not going to be Aaron Donald. Nobody is Aaron Donald might be the greatest defensive player I've seen play in his prime. And I say that as somebody who saw the end of Reggie white. So not his prime, Uh, but Aaron Donald is phenomenal, but think of a role similar to what Aaron Donald does for the Los Angeles Rams out there. So I'm going to go with Kenny. That's what I think on that. When you said Kenny Clark slimmed down, that Aaron Donald was the first thing I thought of. I was like, now you can start maybe making some comparisons. If he starts producing, he's got that body type and it's all about strength. He's got some speed. That could be a lot of fun to watch. It absolutely could be. It absolutely will be. And one thing that we do know is the Packers will be in live action. Saturday, August 14th, Jordan Love will be making his debut at Lambeau Field for the Green Bay Packers. Roster battles, a lot of fun stuff. And the coolest thing for me is there's going to be fans in the stands watching the Packers play football at Lambeau Field, something we just didn't have a whole lot of last year, some semblance of normalcy. In the meantime, that is going to be the end of today's show. Thank you guys for listening in to the Pick 6 Podcast. Give give us a like, a subscribe. Tell your friends about us. And then, of course, like I mentioned, go to our anchor page. And if you like this podcast, along with some others, quick slants on Brandon off topic. Final dump is coming up Friday with Brandon Dwierzynski and Matt Fralick. And of course, you now get the podcast versions of all of our live shows. So the freezer podcast from Barty's Bar and Open Book will all be broadcasted on this platform as well for as little as 99 cents a month or as much as $10 a month, which really that's like I mentioned, that's one lunch Give us some love. Give us some opportunities. It's a chance for us to improve our product for you. And that is all we want to do because as I've said on several different occasions, anybody who's listening to me to follow me, I live by the words of Brent Smith, Brent Smith, the lead singer of the rock band Shinedown. And he says, you are the audience. You decide who stays and who goes. So as long as you allow us to stay, we are going to stay. And where I'm going to stay is you're going to find me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. Write my article every Monday, GameOnWI.com. I also write one article for Packer Report that comes out every Tuesday. You can find Jason Perone. He's on Twitter, at Jason Perone, and the Quick Slants podcast every Monday and every Thursday. Jason, what are we talking about on Thursday this week? It's going to be camp news and notes. I got a little preachy on Monday. I wanted to pay homage to Charles Woodson and congratulate him for getting into the Hall of Fame. It's going to be more Packers content, more 2021 Green Bay Packers content. Promise. And Charles Woodson, I would like to remind everybody a couple things. Number one, that is the jersey of choice for Mr. Papa Perone that he wore every day. May he rest in peace. And Jason, that was actually his jersey for quite a while as well before uh, Clay Matthews, I believe, is where we went until now, Jair. Is that correct? That is correct. Courtesy of my co-host, the host of this show, and my co-host today. Thank you. Three years strong. That's right. My groomsman gift to Jason Perone was a Jair Alexander jersey, something I did. And this isn't to toot my own horn, just to give you guys the backstory is instead of a canned groomsman gift where I got everybody a pocket knife with their name on it or something like that. 
And I have one of those. So that isn't a shot at someone who did that. I'm just giving you guys an example and I love it. I still use it, but I gave something for somebody that I thought they would all appreciate uh, individually because we're not all the same person. We don't all like the same things. We don't all appreciate the same thing. So I got a few different things for a lot of people. I had a large group of groomsmen and eventually I think you're going to meet all of them on this podcast at some point or another, but Jason was one of them. And I asked him to be a groomsman on a episode of pulse of the pack that year. That was fun. Uh, so the next time I'm in a wedding, you guys are going, or the next time I have a wedding, I should say, you guys are going to want a campaign to be groomsmen because I take care of my people. So there's that on that. Jason, thank you for doing that on Charles Woodson. The other point I wanted to make of that is Charles Woodson is the greatest defensive back ever. Tell me about Deion Sanders. Tell me about Rod Woodson. Tell me about Ed Reed. Tell me about Ronnie Lott. All those guys who you want. Give me Chuck. Give me 21. Give me 24. Whether green and gold, silver and black, I don't care. He was a shutdown island corner for years. He was a slot corner. He was a safety. He'd sack your quarterback. He'd force your receiver to fumble. And then he would take your soul and pick six you. Charles Woodson is the greatest defensive back ever. That being said, tomorrow, tonight, if you guys are listening on Wednesday, Lombardi's Bar, 730. Be sure to listen to them. Open book on Thursday. And like I mentioned, Final Dump showing up on Friday as a podcast along with the Quick Slants podcast here. And stay tuned. Game on, Wisconsin. We have some very interesting news that we are just waiting to wrap up before we are able to announce it. But you are going to want to follow us. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our Twitter handle, at Game on. WI. In the meantime, I'm signing off. This was the PixX podcast. Thank you everybody for listening. And we will see you next week with Maggie Loney of Cheesehead TV joining the show. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys then.